This is Impact Healthcare, people and strategies that are disrupting the health benefits industry. And now, here's your host, healthcare benefits industry expert and the originator of the transparent health benefits movement, Lester Morales. Welcome to another episode of Impact Healthcare live from Coral Gables, Miami, Florida at the U-Powered Symposium. Today is the last day, uh, which you could probably tell by my voice. I've done a lot of talking <laughs> and I've got a very unique um, just character. I mean, they were going to say it. I mean, orange socks, blue shoes. He is the, the one and only Reed from Fresh Bunnies. Reed, um, give me you, your company. And I always feel that um, the commonality, the common thread amongst everybody that we always have as a guest is that they're, they wake up, they're salmon. They wake up swimming upstream. The rest of the world is going that way. They're going that way. That probably means there's a story behind that, a why, a mission, something that fires. <laughs> if you have one of those, I would love for you to share that. Uh, thanks, Lester. Uh, Reed Rasmussen, Fresh Bennies is my company. It's Fresh Bennies as in a fresh approach to benefits. Uh, and we started our company 13 years ago because even then, the system was getting so complicated to actually be a patient in the American healthcare system, to be a, a person who got these benefits from your employer or on your own, but actually using the system was so complicated. And um, I really believed that there was a better way to handle that and a way to help guide people with some of these various tools that were out there that help people control their healthcare costs and confusion. But we got up every day to say, we can do better at helping people make their way through the healthcare system so that they have a better life out of it, it doesn't cost as much, their outcomes are better, and that truly is what's uh, driven us every single day as we've um, launched our company. Uh, you know, uh, we've had Nurse Deb on here a couple times and she always says, like, we are involved in two of the most confusing ecosystems there is, health insurance right. and health care, and yes, they are different, right? Right. You said in your intro, American healthcare system. What? Oh, did that, I say that? That, that obviously <laughs> means that you might hail from another uh, part. So tell me about how that came to be, because that's your comparison point, right? That's what made the, the light bulb moment. Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you're from Puerto Rico. Yeah. I'm from the other direction. I'm from Canada. Okay, up and down. So uh, you had warmth, and I had uh, snowy Rocky Mountains that I grew up in. And my degree in Canada was uh, health administration, which there means government and hospital. And I worked each about a year before skipping the border and uh, in 1991, I moved to the U.S. And here, when I engaged the healthcare system, I ended up getting a job for an HMO, which actually was a pretty awesome way to transition to start to learn the healthcare system. Uh, worked for uh, a Kaiser HMO in Seattle for many years, uh, a few years, and then uh, the Blues. And so I, I started to learn as much as I could about the American healthcare system, the insurance system. But man, even after like almost 20 years later, I was looking around the system and thinking, man, I'm still confused when I actually go to engage the system. And uh, 2009, uh, we were starting to see the ACA was, was looking likely like it was gonna ramp up. Uh, across the country, the uh, company I was working for, we were seeing those out-of-pocket costs rise and rise and rise, and in some places be upwards of $3,000 at that point in time. And I saw that 
the agents that we uh, had that were working with our company were basically just sidestepping the, hey, how am I supposed to be a better consumer? Like we were telling people, be a better consumer, but we weren't handing them any tools. And what happened was I remembered some stuff that had gone on in Canada 20 years before. In the late 80s and early 90s, the medical market there crunched. Uh, they started to strip out anything that wasn't mandated out of the medical plans. And the response from the market was, hey, this government plan, it's, o it's okay as a basis, but it's not enough. And so there became these supplement bundles. Picture a Medicare supplement, mm -hmm. except for every group plan you have in the entire country. So in Canada, these supplement bundles are the best-selling ancillary product in the whole country. And I can tell you where I was. It was June 9th, 2009. The light bulb went off in my head. And I'm like, oh my gosh. In America, with us going up and up on out-of-pocket costs, we're going to need to supplement these new plans with consumerism tools that really help people actually navigate the system. And so if it wasn't for having seen a completely different healthcare model in Canada, I wouldn't have even had the light bulb moment that said what I need to do was quit my job and start a company and uh, turn it into uh, what, what turned into Fresh Bennies. That is a fascinating story. I've actually never heard of it. It's fascinating. <laughs> um, and, and I've got- And Lester, really, we've known each other for years and spoken at, at I know, but I've never, I've never heard that. So, so let's, let's dive into that because you said a couple key words that, that um, you know, are the foundation, in my opinion, about fixing healthcare, right? Which is engagement, right? Oh, Which is consumerism. Um, my mom and I used to joke, like, how do you fix healthcare? I'm like, the problem with fixing healthcare is that the things that you need to fix healthcare, you'd never get, as a politician, you'd never get elected. Right. Right? And uh, so, like, you can't, you can't go that way, so you go this way. So, Maybe talk about, obviously not the commercial, but like talk about the tool that you created because it's going to jump off on those key buzzwords because without those tools, the word consumerism just means let's pass a bunch of dollars to the employee, make them think twice about accessing healthcare, which we know has resulted in really bad results. So talk about that. Yeah, so uh, there it was, it was 2009, we were seven years into consumerism plans. Uh, and some of those tools, what I saw was there were companies that were doing a good job on building these tools, and they were great for the very, very large companies. Back when you worked on the large yeah. enterprise sales, they were the kinds of companies that would implement these because they could put in some small little tool. I say little, I mean low cost, right? Yeah. Uh, low cost per member tool because if you have thousands of employees, you're going to have no problem installing a telehealth program, which right. was a big deal and Not relatively that. new right. in 2009. I saw telehealth. I saw some navigation and advocacy tools. Um, I also understood why small and mid-sized brokers, you know, those that were working on groups of 1,000 and below, weren't installing these. Like it wasn't even, was, we didn't even know they were there. Those on the very large knew it was there because they had the capacity to roll them in and actually build some engagement tools. They wanted to completely bundle a number of different things together. And I understood in the, the main market of the, where the mass of employers are, it's the smaller and mid-sized employers, why those brokers weren't bringing that in. So instead of trying to say, oh, well, I'm gonna go and create my own version of those things and build them myself, I said, what I wanna do is pull a few of these that are fantastic together. And the, the three categories that we've really pulled together over the years are different versions of telehealth, different versions of advocacy, and savings networks. Put them into a bundle, and it goes back to that Canadian supplement bundle. 
Now, uh, at the time, originally it was one set of bundles because it was solving most of what people are looking for over time. Now we, we sort of have these different plug and play modules. And, you know, let's say you're putting together a complicated self-funded medical plan. You're looking to unbundle and then rebundle a lot of things mm -hmm. together. Absolutely, on the medical and the medical management side, you're going to want to do that. But even then, it doesn't mean that with these tools that you need them all to be unbundled. And so even if it's the most complicated self-funded plan, having a set of these that are maybe rolling two or three or five different tools together and it being on a platform dramatically makes for a better member experience for that member. And what's fun then is if you even have like a small fully insured plan, our tool comes along and dramatically helps that consumer has this high out-of-pocket cost plan. So we, we, we have this plug and play that fits from fully insured all the way on up to complicated self-insured. I'm not sure if I answered exactly what you were asking. Though. No, but, but, but you know, I, I think I, visually I want to like say now I am Johnny Lunchbucket. I work for a company. Talk to me about what happens. Like, how do I engage with, with the, the tools? Sure, uh, talk sure. Talk to me about the personification of it. Sure. So uh, he, here we are. It's, uh, uh, say, 10 years ago. Telehealth is the newest thing for everybody. So uh, I'm thinking of a broker that we worked with in Tennessee. And um, uh, they loved the concept of telehealth. And they could see how well that paired alongside a high out-of-pocket cost plan and a zero-visit telehealth. And we, start, we learned early we need to build some of that education and engagement programs that were turnkey from us, education programs, a good member experience, et cetera. And back then it was, here's your card and your booklet and call this number. Right. <clears throat> and uh, I can remember a, uh, um, a Harley Davidson franchise. So um, you, you said blue collar, right? right? Like some guys just working in the franchise and working in the shop, right? Yep. But for them, the story was, hey, um, guys, why are you gonna spend your Tuesday night waiting in line with your kid at the urgent care center and spend 163 bucks if for no cost you could take care of this on your own and isn't that better paired alongside this high out-of-pocket cost high out-of-pocket cost plan and for them it was about save a buck or two mm -hmm. and they had tremendous usage with us at the time you know i think they were running about 70 percent usage so wow. for every hundred employees that they had and they, they had a couple hundred uh excuse me they were about 100 employees um they're running about 70 visits a year which in 2013 was like amazing still, usage, still right? Still today. Right? Right. Because every one of those is saving on average $518. Uh, and today, that doesn't play out exactly the same way. The need is still there, whether it's him or whether it's the high-tech uh, company that we work with. The purpose is different. Your education, your messaging to the, to the Harley-Davidson sure. franchise is, Hey, don't spend the 163 100, right, bucks if you exactly. don't want to. To the uh, software engineer, it's like, why are you going to spend your time? But the tool was the same, which was, let's get some of that low-hanging visits, and let's handle as much as we can remotely. And of course, um, nowhere in our SWOT analysis over the years did we ever say, what's going to happen is there's going to be a, um, there's going to be a uh, uh, national pandemic, and on one day, Everybody in the country is going to be Based told, go get telehealth it. everywhere right. and forget all of the, um, the, the fight in the early days was, do we have proper electronic medical records? Is this secure? Is it HIPAA compliant? And they're like, cell phones, right. YouTube, yeah. use it all, Anything. Zoom, you right. know, like it just went out the door. But it's dramatically changed the, the, 
the awareness of telehealth. And then it sort of settled in after that first year when everything was free for those visits. And right. we're back down. Um, the country today as a whole, you know, a lot of, uh, basically every medical plan has something of a telehealth built in. Um, on self-funded plans, it's always being built in. Uh, engagement should be so much higher because the national average on engagement uh, these days on, on a standard medical plan version of telehealth is about 15%. Okay. Man, Harley Davidson in 2013 right. was 70%. 70, right. You know, like why are people still going back to these old habits? But it's about um, teaching consumerism in waves. So that was telehealth as an example there. Um, just because you, you asked about... Uh, yeah, no, 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 I, I love it. And, and the word advocacy means so many different oh, things yeah. to so many different people. When, when you think of that word, how you define it, and then talk to me about how enhancement and communication, putting it in the palm of their hands, really doing some better communication has, has enhanced that whole advocacy concept from a, from a usage. And, and then I, I want to get into the outcomes part of that. You know, it's interesting. You, you watch waves of um, the audience is ready for different things at different times. We included advocacy as part of our bundle in 2010, we were included, 2009 we were including advocacy in, in our bundles. Um, but the brokers we worked with, the employers we worked with, and the members didn't exactly understand why that was gonna be as necessary. People, the acceptance of a new idea comes in waves. People are ready to accept certain things when they're ready to. Yeah. We included advocacy in our programs from the early days, and at that time it was mostly around, we can get you a little bit of guidance towards some providers, help you find some providers that are on your plan, et cetera, and we can help you with some medical bills. And for a lot of years, there was a little bit of acceptance and engagement with that, but a lot of people didn't see why it was near as important at the time. So in the early days, it was all about telehealth. And then um, as that out-of-pocket cost has risen, and today the average family of four will spend $4,200 on out-of-pocket costs uh, after they've spent Eight, over $8,000 on their um, premiums, uh, and that's with an employer-based plan, right? right? So it's a lot of cash. Um, but that's 4,200 reasons to be pissed off at your medical plan. Right. And it's 4,200 reasons that you're smacked with paperwork that shows how unsensical our gaming of the, the way our system works. And for all these years of consumerism, people haven't gotten good at um, learning about tr price transparency, et cetera. So today, uh, where, where we saw the switch was, literally it was January of 2001, uh, or excuse me, 2021, uh, after 2020, all of a sudden the conversation shifted with every consultant and employer we ever talked to. And it went from all of them wanting to talk about telehealth first and maybe advocacy to, okay, we need some guidance, this thing is complicated, we're yep. confused. And so for us, it's all across that spectrum now and a, that a premium level advocacy service for us includes everything from that first touch point of, who's the best quality doctor that you could pick? Okay, so you're on a new plan, Ms. Employee, uh, and you need a specialist uh, for your kid's specialty, you need a primary care for you, you need a primary care for your husband. Okay, uh, where are you going to get that information? And after all these years, 
Google and Facebook Google, right. is 72% of the place people go. Wow. Like, we're a sophisticated industry, and that's the best we've got. Right. So we've got data, a, a database with 13 billion data points to be able to say, we can tell somebody, okay, here's the three best that are in your town, on your plan, if you have a plan or a network or not network, um, and uh, accepting new patients. And by the way, here's a whole stack that you shouldn't go to. Mm -hmm. And why? Because <laughs> this one bills so much, this one goes too quickly to surgery, this one goes, uh, they prescribe uh, brand, uh, brand names far before um, Generic. generics. So we've got the data to find that. And it, number one, how difficult was that for the member? Super easy, right? right? They don't have to trust us too much to ask that question. And it starts to build the trust. You start to build a habit. Because what we're looking for is to start that member that we can be that guiding point, that if they've got a question, they aren't sure where to go, Call the advocate. Yeah. And then these days what we uh, have found set up that's a great practice is there's one main advocate for everybody in that group <coughs> so that they all get to know. <coughs> Rebecca. Yeah. Right. Rebecca. Right. Oh, Rebecca's my person. You got Rebecca's phone number. You got Rebecca's email and a fast response. So then you say, okay, well, I've got to go for an MRI. I heard that maybe you could help me with that. So it's finding price and quality transparency and actually having a live body describe that price and quality work differently, the opposite in healthcare. Because yep. you need somebody who's gonna walk these people through it or they think we're trying to jam them into the cheapest, uh, stop every surgery, stop. Like consumerism requires a conversation because it's backwards in healthcare. Yep. And you know this and I'm, I'm just preaching to the choir. No, on it, Everybody who's ever been on your podcast is saying the same story, it, right? And it's unreal. So I, I love to get people's perspective on, um, so you're sitting, pick the audience, uh, a group of advisors, a group of employees, a group of uh, employers, it really doesn't matter. Um, why do you feel that the resistance on the advocacy when we talk about healthcare is so far different than, I could just imagine now somebody saying, hey, I, uh, I got up on Saturday morning, I drove to the first auto dealership that I saw, I got into the car, and I bought it, and I let them invoice me three weeks later. Like that, to everybody who just heard my voice say that, is like, that would be asinine. Nobody would do that. I would shop the heck out of it online. I'd look at Carvana. I'd look at you know, Kelly Blue Book. I'd buy Carfax and blah, blah, blah. And I'd do all of these things. And I, I think at the stat I saw, an average person spends 39 minutes researching a car and all of that stuff before they uh, buy it. But in healthcare, the thought process of asking about the price or the quality or just asking about anything so asinine. Talk to me about your perception of that and like when you have a conversation, maybe like, like how do you guide that conversation? Well, you know, what's interesting is uh, the consultants that I know, you know, in the early 2000s, as we were moving towards telehealth, or excuse me, as we were moving towards consumerism, we just said, hey, just start asking your doctor the price, start asking the drugstore the price, just start asking the hospital what's the price on that. And I believed that consumer pressing on asking for price and quality would create a demand for price and quality information. Uh, physicians and hospitals, just they learned, here's what we do. 
So we are not wanting to answer that right. because they're in these completely different contracts where with this one carrier, they're going to get reimbursed yes. for $8,000 right. for this surgery and this other carrier, and they do a ton with them. And this other, this other carrier where they barely do any, they're like, well, I don't even really do them with them, so why don't I just tell them 20000 Because if I get one with them, I'll charge. So like this, this weird, like nobody else in our market can expect that or understands that there should be this big disparity in variety in pricing. Yep. And it came because of the insurance-based payment model. I thought over the last 20 years that demand would have pressed physicians and hospitals to build quality and, and pricing transparency. It didn't. It pushed them to get very, very, very good at telling our members, we can't it, tell it you depends. it's against the law, right. you just check with the plan. Right. And because there's no good source of information, try to go Google that stuff. You know, and in five minutes, you're off at some website and you figured out you have cancer instead of something else. And right. there's no quality. You know, two years ago, the law passed. You, all hospitals have to push for um, transparent right. pricing on this. I just saw an article yesterday that said about 25% of them are doing it and the rest of them are just refusing and yep. paying the paying fine. The fine. Why? Because it, the system continues to work without us as, an, as a society answering that question. So... Um, so I'm not surprised that people don't really try to go for that because it's been unavailable. Um, that's all a sloppy answer as to why we're here, but here's the way this plays out. If I'm ever at a cocktail party these days and somebody says, what do you do? I say, well, this is, we're in the business of helping employees cut their healthcare costs and confusion. I'm only about like five seconds past that, and you know this, because if you go in and say I'm a healthcare consultant, right. they go, oh, here's my story. Right. Everybody's got a story, right. right? And every employer and employee that we talk to who says, hold it, what do you do? We actually help people find the best quality and the best price, and we're there to navigate with them and help their care coordination and find the best quality doctors. And like about at that point, oh, uh, like those people are bought in. Yeah. Employers are saying, well, that's a no-brainer. I need that. Right. My, how come my consultant hasn't set that up? How come they're completely drawn to this? Because if you ask the employer or the member, they all know that's become the biggest issue. Now, for a lot of times, it wasn't the biggest issue, but starting in like 2001, it really, really, I think the pain has gotten strong enough that when we describe that to that end consumer and that end employer, they're begging for that information. Consultants, you know, up until a couple of years ago, most consultants would say, no, that's what I do. Yeah. I'm here, I'm, I'm, my differentiator is I give great service, I have the support team. What we have heard out of consultants is in the last couple of years, the volume and complexity of questions that are coming to them from their clients is through the roof. And their um, support team, I had one who said, we keep an employee on our support team for about 18 to 24 months and then they quit and they go, this was not what I signed up for, and you have no systems or data or process to help me actually answer any of these questions that right. are coming my way. And these are mad, mean people who are very upset over very real issues, and it's not simple to answer. Right. So uh, consultants thought they could get away without, because uh, they used to address this internally. So, so makes complete sense, right? Like having that there and and, I do like I like the cocktail party example because <laughs> at, at the end of the day, uh, saying you're an insurance advisor is not very sexy. So at least this is a much sexier part of the conversation. But 
Advocacy is a tool. We talk telemedicine. We talk to advocacy. Yep. There are mm-hmm. other things that kind of create this uh, engagement ecosystem. What are some other things that people engage with? Yeah, we look for things that specifically are non-insurance modules that make sense, that there's enough demand for them that, that, that it's worth rolling them in. And so some of the other modules these days, um, the last few years, behavioral health has been huge. So last year, one of our best sellers in the tail end of the year was uh, behavioral telehealth Mm -hmm. with a zero visit fee because so many employers are like, I got to take down the barriers because my people are freaking out and and they want want it without a visit to the members. So we've got an unlimited version of that that we can put into a group. Uh, We're just now rolling out a second opinion service. So for those high cost claims, a lot of... um, Telehealth and advocacy is is about build the habits on the common stuff. You're yeah. helping the mass of yeah. employees. But of course, if you're a self-funded group, you're looking at those highest cost claims. So we've got a second opinion service that's fantastic to um, help with some of those and get some of the best guidance, um, whether it's some of the really uh, high variability surgeries sure. or just some of those high cost cl- uh, and challenging the, the claims. The stat that is just staggering to me is 12 million people every year misdiagnosed. Right. So when you think about that, it's like, why not take four extra seconds to have a separate pair of eyes, you know, look at it so it makes complete sense. You know, we're here. uh, David the other day said he was saying that he used a uh, second opinion service for his sister with an issue that was going on. Um, But he made up brought up a good point. He said, you know, that second opinion, it's one thing if you're going to a specialist who's in the same town as your doctor. But it's a little bit of um, fox in the hen house because you're going to the second opinion surgeon who might well be the very person who's going to pick it up. So are they really independent? Right. He said dramatically a remote um, virtual second opinion is is where you're going to get an independent statement. I thought it was a great point. Well, and the reality of it is we, you know, if we think about how healthcare is typically accessed, people think that the only available health care to them is in their community. Right. And having two parents that have dealt with cancer, if somebody would have told me what I know now back then, then this is a no-brainer. I don't want to know who the best pancreatic cancer specialist is in Tampa, Florida. I want to know if they're on Mars, how are we getting there, right? right? And so that it makes complete sense from the people aspect yes. of it, but also the financial aspect because Quite honestly, if I go see an orthopedic surgeon to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. Right? So the rea- what do you think he's going to tell you? Let's have surgery. That's how we get paid. So that perverse incentive thing, again, back to both sides of it, the people aspect of it and the financial prudency. Yeah. And the, the, yeah, you're right. The people side of like, what's, what kind of guidance do they really need in that process? And it's handing that person some of the right language to go back to their doctor and have that conversation. And so that's that's Engagement. a piece of that. Right, advocacy. And then one of the other modules is uh, virtual primary care. We see, you know, people have gotten very used to telehealth for the urgent care stuff. Um, behavioral telehealth was a very obvious uh, next category. And now can we, can we take the urgent care kind of telehealth, but actually allow it to be that you picked a doctor, you're building a relationship with them, yeah. and it becomes, um, you know, a uh, lot of lot of conversation here about direct primary care, and while that's uh, fantastic in some groups, and you'd never put a virtual primary care into a direct primary care, right. you might put it in there that if you have direct primary care for the core employees who work inside the city, and then maybe you've got a multi-state, so let's get them some virtual primary care, so at least you've got a comparable. Yep. Or um, more common, probably, what we're seeing right now workforce. is um, if you weren't going to install a direct primary care, but let's say you've got that population that's got like 
40% of their employees don't have a PCP, let's get them somebody to talk to. Because right. if they don't have a PCP, let's get them somebody that they can consistently chat with so that we can make sure that we're taking care of some of those chronic care issues, et cetera. So that it's, um, it's these various modules that you can pull on. So it's kind of fun to see what this ecosystem that we've created has grown into. Yeah, so consumerism. Yeah. In my opinion, we used to think it was an HSA and a high deductible. Right. Right. And now the word, in my opinion, is the answer of solving healthcare. Unless we change how the person who is the decision maker right. looks about how they solve whatever needs that they are, until we change that, that they're thinking twice, like we have in every other aspect of our business. Right. We're never going to do that. So it makes such sense when we talk about right these different tools, give it to them when they need it, make it easy, blah, blah. But the reality of it is, and I joked about this off the stage yesterday, right? All of us combined here that wake up every day swimming upstream and promoting all of these things, we have a combined market share of, you know, a fraction. Why? Why is it so when you're sitting across an employer and they hear all of this, I think of it like, Duh, like why, why didn't we do this 10 years ago, right? And all this stuff, but, but what is the obstacle uh, that typically you find when you go through this spiel and the person that says, yeah, I don't wanna do it. What is the why behind that they don't want to do it? I'm curious about that. <clears throat> um, we don't find employers say they don't want to do it. Okay. We find consultants who either are closely involved with their people, and for them it's a matter of more, what's gonna be the right time? Okay. People don't question whether this is valuable. They question, is this the right time, or what's, what's, it, gonna, what's it going to, um, how's that gonna play out in my group? Um, but a lot of it is how the consultant describes what the value of that's gonna be to the employer. So um, I would, you know, I was just talking with a, broker who's worked with us for a couple of years um, yesterday, uh, and I said to her, you know, when you're talking to your clients, explain to them your value equation, which is, uh, for her, it's a very high service, like we're here to help you through this, we're gonna bring you some different ideas than maybe you've heard elsewhere. And um, uh, we spoke about, just start to weave in that when you work with us, we make sure your people get guidance towards how they're gonna um, engage with the best quality care. We know that we're gonna have to get something that's in budget for you, but as part of being in budget, we're gonna have programs that are include no-cost telehealth for those that, uh, that um, need it. Um, that's gonna save them some money. Uh, we're gonna have, make sure that people aren't overpaying for healthcare if they could have gotten something better elsewhere. And it's just part of the service that we're gonna set up for you. And in that way, that consultant is talking about what they're gonna bring to the table right. for that employer. And that they're not saying, hey, you, I, need, you need, I'm gonna do this, right. or they're not saying, I'm gonna install fresh pennies. Cause then you've confused the, the end client on, well, what's this thing? And right. oh, this is another thing you're trying to jack me to pay for, and rather, Talk about it as this is the experience that your employees are going to have. When we look down a year from now, more of them aren't going to have paid as, um, less as of them high. will have paid as high uh, right. out-of-pocket costs as they have. So even though maybe we, in one way, are pushing consumerism that their, their out-of-pocket cost is there, we're going to make sure they're getting better quality. And 
in these, in these ways lowering the cost. And so it's, it's more of shifting the way that you talk about it, mm -hmm. that it's 2023, from here going forward, every plan is going to need some of these modules and we're bringing this as a solution. Well, it's it's and, strategy <clears throat> versus product. 100%. Right? And it doesn't mean that every group immediately grabs on. Sure. You know, we've learned a ton about what we can do for turnkey engagement. We coach consultants on here's the things that we know work for a good install and we grow them from, you know, 9% engagement on uh, advocacy usage and by when we're talking percentage engagements on any of this, we mean like, okay, for every 100 employees, you know, nine times a year somebody engaged with us, or we get them up, we know if we get up around 20, 25%, it's sort of one of the tipping points. Mm -hmm. That momentum is starting to build. Sure. There's enough people who are starting to talk about yes, that water group. cooler talk, yeah. Exactly, and then, you know, the uh, like what's the potential? It should be way over 100% because what you want is you want the mass of people. The people that are doing it that do seven times <laughs> a year, they're on it all the time. That's right. And then as plans, as the underlying plans change, people don't have to learn about, oh, I've got to download this new app for customer service at this plan versus last year's plan. It, you know, oh, I'm still just calling Rachel because right. Rachel's my, uh, my advocate. Got it. You know what I mean? Got it. So... <laughs> We said, and I just said, you know, kind of that uh, strategy and the conversations there. The I want to end this conversation with the personification, right? The that that employer, that member, that story that when you think about it, it brings a smile to your face because you know entrepreneurs don't do this for the money, right? I mean, it's true. I mean, we could be making money doing a lot of different things. We do this. You know, it was years before I ever made money. Right, exactly. <laughs> I made less, I made more money when I was 30 than I do now. Uh, but I was doing it the wrong way then, and now doing it the right way, it's just even harder. But I could tell you those five, those 10, those 15 stories that happen every single month that just light yes. me up. And, and talk about one of those stories that just bring a smile to your face that, that really tell you, hey, what we are building matters, not because it's, you know, having a nice lifestyle, it's because we're changing and we're impacting lives. Talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking about one client who, uh, it's always tough from a carrier, you know, a solutions yeah. provider standpoint, when a, a consultant or a broker loses a case to another, and especially as a unique, uh, innovative supplier like us. Right. Uh, everybody's got their favorites. Sometimes, you know, we're quickly on the phone to figure out who's the new person. Is yep. it somebody we know? If it's right. not, we know they're sort of 50-50. Yeah, high, high, like high, high end alert. They're going to prove right. they know they have something to. better. Yep. I mean, it's the job and yep. it's the game. And it works It works coming towards yeah, us it, and it, it works it going away, ways. right? Yeah. Uh, but it's always a tough one. So last year we had a, a group. It's about 400 lives. Um, they float through the year between 300 and 500. Uh, they work in uh, marketing and uh, multi-channel marketing okay. engagement and stuff. So very popular kind of, of company. Um, uh, white collar for sure. Uh, they had been on this, their, their first consultant had had them on some complicated um, self-funded plans and there was a lot of noise and they were they got frustrated with the way that that was being built. So they switched um, brokers to a very large national brokerage. Um, one of, uh, two of my team were on the phone with that consultant and they said, wow, the, the plan is, the, the group is so mad at this self-funded bill out and the, the pain that was occurring um, from their, 
employees, but they actually have said the one thing that they really loved was that Fresh Benny's was here uh, and that their people always knew where to call and how to get some guidance. They were running, um, I told you 22% is what we always love to see a group get to there and past. Okay. Uh, this group was running at about 100% utilization. Wow. So uh, for the 400 people that were on there, they were having about 400 full episodes with our team. That's wow. not like calls, that's right. like full episodes of, of care and guidance. And uh, uh, they said, this is the one thing that they want to keep going. And the consultant said, well, what we're doing is because there was so much pain with this, our answer is we're going to move them to a fully insured plan. And since we're moving them to a fully insured plan, there's not going to be a need to have an advocacy program. And um, uh, the person on my team, I just uh, love her. She's so uh, smart and savvy of, of watching this and understanding the people aspect. She says, okay, so these people are mad because of the way they're interacting. You're going to change their entire plan on them. And you're going to take the one thing the that constant. they're actually using, which is the constant of who to go to to ask how to use this new plan, and you want to push that off to a carrier's customer service department? Right. Because here's the thing we know. Two years from now, you're going to put them back on a different version of a self-funded plan. Right. Why don't you keep this as consistent? And the light bulb went on for the consultant. She's like, oh, yeah, I would have never thought of that. And she'd never really looked to a fully insured, like how helpful that was for the people. Because it's working. Why are you going to take that out of there? Right. What happened was, a few months later, um, they actually switched consultants again. So here we are with, with the third consultant. And all of that was in less than a 12-month period of time. And yet we're still in there. They're still <laughs> using our tools. And our advocates are still there guiding the people. And I just love that as a story. Because otherwise, all of that was a bad situation for the employees. And they're the ones who would have had far more disruption than they would have had. We look at it from the perspective of the broker. We go, oh, that's, that's bad for all the broker disruption. Uh, how about the 400 employees? Right. No, it, it's, it's, such a, it's such an interesting thing because at the end of the day, when you look at the options out there, when you look at it, there is, in my opinion, there is no... Uh, lack of innovation that is happening in this space, that advisor is typically the choke point, right? I mean, you get to talk to more employers because more innovative advisors put you in front of there, but that's the scenario there. And yeah. so when you think about that, you know, employers couldn't get to a great solution that's actually helping their employees if they're not picking the right thing. So it's like, it's such an interesting dichotomy of like, distribution, innovation, and how the messaging is out there. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, employers find out about it, and they'll ask their consultant, and there's a 50-50 chance the consultant's either going to completely right. do everything they can to discredit it, even if it was a good idea, because they're just embarrassed that they didn't bring it. Or they're going to say, oh, that's intriguing, and go do some research. But the consultant is absolutely necessary in the process. Imagine trying to do this just as an employer without spending every minute 100%. of every day trying to figure out what are all these different solutions and what's the best way to have them work together. Because what worked a few years ago does not work today. And, and what works today won't work it, tomorrow. It won't, it's yeah. gonna keep changing. Leave us with that one thing. Uh, if you've got an audience uh, and um, let's go the audience's employers. 
Um, what's Reed's last, you know, one minute spiel to an employer population? Like knowing the pain that they're going to, we're in an inflationary period as we're recording this in the beginning of 2023, right? We're, we're in an inflationary period. Um, healthcare costs continue to go up double digits every year. Yep. I mean, that's not stopping. What, what, what do you, what do you tell employers out there? Um, the purpose that we started our company with in 2009 was very applicable to about 10% of the population that was out there on, on employer plans. And today, it's upwards of 90% of the employers are struggling with this. All of your employees are struggling with this. There is no future where this becomes simpler. And so regardless of all the, the moving and changing and government and and an uh, insurance carrier does this or a consultant comes up with a brilliant idea. There's nothing about the future where this is getting simpler and just getting solved with a simple little uh, Yelp app for healthcare. It's just not. And so um, uh, you will have uh, advisors for your people. It's not gonna be the HR department at your company because you can't keep up with it. And as it is, your people aren't happy with the experience and we can have a better experience uh, together. But um, that's it. I don't think there's a future where, uh, where you don't have some, guide or some guidance. And the definition of insanity, <clears throat> right? If we keep doing the same things we've been doing, which is not giving employees any tools, any advocacy, any engagement, any of that, we get the results, right? And that's yes, right. this may be more difficult. Meaning like, there's more stuff. There's more people to talk to at the end of the day. You're solving that and that underlying ecosystem does produce results. But the buy it off the shelf all from one carrier that's got a nice logo that everybody recognizes isn't necessarily always the answer either. So I, I just love, love, the, love the both sides of the message, right? Because the reality of it is it's not going to get any easier. And the reality of it is to fix it, unfortunately, sometimes does require a couple more tools and just like a project requires a hammer, a saw and a you know, nail. You know, you've got this podcast of, called Impact Healthcare. <laughs> and the reason that you continue to have new episodes is because there are so many necessary moving parts on this. Yep. It's one sixth of the entire American economy and it is never getting smaller. There, you'll have podcasts forever to talk about some of the different approaches. Somebody needs to find a good consultant who truly is um, figuring out what do they need this year and in, in that way. Awesome. There's, there's no end to it. Well, Reed, if somebody wanted to learn more uh, mm -hmm. about Fresh Bennies, uh, keep up with you, where, where do they do that? Well, freshbennies.com, it's, and it's Bennies with B-E-N-I-E-S, okay. <laughs> one N, not two. And uh, I'm uh, prolific on uh, LinkedIn, you can catch me there. Uh, and uh, my email and phone number are, are uh, public. So awesome. uh, reach out to us. Uh, somebody off our team uh, would be uh, happy to chat with them. Awesome, awesome. Well, to the uh, Impact Healthcare crowd, if you want to be part of our text community that you get a message every time we drop a new episode, you will see the text number below. Uh, Reed, thank you so much for trying to uh, create a easier ecosystem uh, or at least uh, entry point into the ecosystem because again, I, I, I've done this my entire career. I have spent 
uh, time dealing with both of my parents uh, through their cancer journeys. And yeah. uh, never did we have an advocate, like never did we have anything. And, and so I just look at this as like, again, forget how much money it can save somebody. Let's just talk about it in the humanistic standpoint, right? It is just the right thing to do. And so yeah. uh, I, I really appreciate that. To our crowd, thanks for listening and tune in to the next episode. We'll see you later. You've been listening to Impact Healthcare, people and strategies that are disrupting the health benefits industry with Lester Morales. Remember, the journey to getting 20% savings on your healthcare benefits starts with total transparency. Remember to subscribe to the Impact Healthcare podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.